Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sean Levy. I'm reporting live from the Wii U launch line. People here have been lined up for days to be the first ones to get a Wii U. Um, let's talk to some of the people in the line. You, sir, what's your name? John Orkney. And, John, uh, why are you in line? <laughs> to, to get the Wii thing. Oh, because you loved your, your first Wii so much? Yeah, it's... Uh... In great shape in the basement. <laughs> well, let's keep moving down the line. Uh, how about you, sir? What's your name? Uh, Colin Westman. And, and you must have had a Wii yourself, right? What? No. Is this a line for iPad 3? No, this isn't. Uh, let's just keep moving. Uh, this guy's at the very front of the line. Uh, hello, what's your name? Uh, Durkins. I'm sorry, what? Durkins. Durkins? Uh, Durkins? Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> do you think about the Wii U? Well, it's got that, like, tablet thing, right? It does, yeah. You can, like, watch porn on that, right? Okay, and that's uh, going to end our reporting from the Wii U line. Uh, little known fact, I actually was in line for the Wii on my birthday, the night of my birthday, because it came out the day after. And uh, that sucked, so I'm not doing that again. <laughs> so I'm going the hell out of here and going home. And this is me driving my car now, and now I'm home, and I'm calling up my, those guys from the line, and I'm like, hey, guys, you want to talk about GameCube games? I guess. I don't know why that was so elaborate. I wish you told me you were going to do news reporter style. I would have referenced the Leprechaun video. Yeah. Anyone seen the Leprechaun? I don't yeah. know how that would have worked, but... I have seen the Leprechaun. Uh, there was a picture of him. It looks really bad. <laughs> so the GameCube, that's got to be at least 10 years old at this point. 11? Nintendo's big failure of a console, I guess. Really? Stupid purple box with a handle on it. But most of us had one. I got one uh, Christmas of 2001. I think it just came out a couple months before that. So it was definitely a system where I felt like I was right there at the beginning. I, mean, I wasn't lining up, but I was, I was there early on, and the games I had were the launch titles. I had Luigi's Mansion and Rogue Squadron, and I just remember playing Wii's Mansion being like, oh, this is the pinnacle of gaming achievement. Graphics are never going to get better than this. And they didn't. You know, games cannot get better than this. And they didn't. You were right. (laughs) I said the same thing about, like, Resident Evil 2 in 1998. Games cannot get better than this. (laughs) I gotta stop saying that. (laughs) They always get better. Maybe but if you still, stop but... saying it, then they won't get better. Yeah, maybe not. I'm giving them a challenge. <laughs> oh, did you hear what John Otney said? 
I loved the GameCube. <laughs> I thought it was a definite improvement personally over the N64, <laughs> over like the console itself. The controller I thought was pretty good, better than that monstrosity that you call the N64 controller. I don't know that the catalog was as good, but there's definitely some pretty great titles in there that we're going to be talking about are some of my favorite games. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the GameCube was, I I, I agree, I think the controller's probably fine, but it wasn't good for uh, the dual analog shooters that started getting popular thanks to the Xbox. And, and since it was the least powerful console, or maybe it was a little more powerful than PS2, but by then PS2 was already hugely popular, and, and it didn't even play DVDs. I think the GameCube was just doomed from the get-go. Uh, and and it never really took off, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I feel like it just was strung along by successful Nintendo titles, basically. I don't think most people were, like, looking for the third-party games on their GameCube. Uh, yeah, not really. I had some of the Tony Hawk games on GameCube, and they translated okay, but they were probably, I don't know, maybe they may have been better on other consoles. I, I hated playing Tony Hawk on GameCube because the D-pad was so small. It was like yeah. a D-pad for babies. Colin, you had a GameCube, right? Yeah, I did. When did you uh, get yours? I want to say it was uh, like March of 2002. I feel like the day I got it, it snowed, which was really weird because it was March in Seattle. Would you have gotten it for your birthday, maybe? I feel like it was a little bit after my birthday. Maybe I used some of my birthday money to buy it. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't it know. It seems cr- crazy to think it, you know, we would be, what, like 13, 14? Yeah. Buying a, I, buying a whole game console without a holiday? <laughs> well, I believe I I saved up and um, me and my sister <laughs> put our money together to buy it. Nice. So we both owned it, even though, you know... My sister never played it ever. That's a nice uh, con by you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's great about having a younger sibling. I was always making my younger brother buy stuff. Like, I'm getting this system. You get this game for it, you know, something like that. <laughs> Just manipulating them. What games did you start with? Uh, I think the first one I got might have been Tony Hawk 3. Oh. And then maybe maybe Rogue Leader after that. That was one I feel like a lot of people had because it was one of the launch titles and it was pretty neat. It was Star Wars, man. It was Star Wars. <laughs> Sean, what about you? Your GameCube experience? I didn't get mine till um, I think Christmas 2002. Uh, whenever <laughs> Metroid Prime came out, because it was Metroid Prime that made me get this console. Oh wow! Because uh, I had a PS2. And I was pretty happy with that PS2. Probably a superior system, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Metro Prime was definitely the first game I got. I remember I had that and I had Wave Race Blue Storm. Did it have an emergency button? <laughs> Sadly, no. <laughs> you had to just lose in this one. <laughs> For anyone wants to know what that means, check out our N64 podcast. You will not be disappointed. And Nancy, you didn't have one? Uh, I did not have my GameCube uh, experience was pretty much solely comprised through Colin's house. <laughs> well, that's good. There's a lot of multiplayer games, though, for the GameCube. 
Yeah. So it's a good party console. Yeah. I think that's definitely one of its strengths. I feel like I could get to a GameCube wherever I went somehow. Had <laughs> <laughs> good GameCube connections. Because uh, I, I remember uh, Smash Bros. Melee came out, and that was, you know, the shit. Uh, but I didn't feel like I needed to own it even when I got a GameCube, just because everywhere I went, someone had a GameCube and a copy of that game ready to go. Yeah, totally. Did anyone have a cool colored one, silver? Fancy oh, yeah, color? I did have a silver one. You had a silver one. I thought someone had something. I think I had the, what was it? Was it indigo was the main color? I don't know. That's what yeah. I had. Okay, I think that's enough. Someone <laughs> had a black one, I think. Maybe it must have been my cousin. R- reminiscing about our, our first experiences with the console. Let's just dive right into the categories. The categories, categories are games. <laughs> So that's that was the not not the word that I meant to go for the the list. Uh, anyways, our first game, our first category <laughs> is the classic life simulation, whatever you want to call that genre, Animal Crossing. Now, this was uh, an N sixty four game uh, in Japan, and it got ported up to GameCube when it came over here. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I did not Makes know. Makes sense, since the graphics are so crappy. I thought they were fine for what it was. It's this cutesy a game little with crappy graphics. No, just the cutesy style. I never looked at that game and thought, "Oh, these these fucking suck." Yeah, I never, I never got that. <laughs> I thought they were pretty appealing, actually. These little there happy animal people. Colin's got high graphical standards. <laughs> I mean, I guess how do you explain this game? It's basically like The Sims, except kind of a, a Nintendo spin on that. It's cartoony you collect items you do jobs just you live life in the town does does the town have a name anyone you got to name it you got to name it so you could name it like shit or whatever or something like that (laughs) that's good but you played as a dumb like weird person like not a cool animal a horned man or woman uh and then you just go around and you'd become a hoarder and start putting stuff in your house (laughs) That's what I found most appealing. I, I feel like everybody was into it because they wanted to collect all the stuff. I was really into getting, you could buy like Nintendos in the game and then play old Nintendo games. You, you glossed over a little bit. You, you, you ride the, town, uh, the train into town, and this guy Tom Nook comes up to you and says, Hey, I know you're new in town. You want a house? And you're like, well, that's a good deal. And he says, okay, well, here's your house. By the way, you're going to be in crushing debt to me for the rest of your life. <laughs> and you're going to have to do menial errands for me and the people of this town just to try to get your head above water. And then you can start hoarding stuff. Yeah, and then you can start hoarding stuff. Do you ever get out of debt? Well, I never did. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Like, what if you play it for 20 years? Well, because remember, as soon as you start getting close to your... A goal, or maybe when you hit it, uh, he's like, "Well, I can add another story onto your house, or make your house bigger." And I, I feel like you don't even have a choice. You're just like, "Of course, that is what I will do." <laughs> I like how his store just keeps getting nicer and nicer, just because of all the money you owe him. You have yeah. to basically be his money slave, and he's just <laughs> getting hella rich off of it. Yeah, you had a real character. One of the great villains. <laughs> what was He's his like name? Evil Donald Trump. Eviler Donald Trump. What was his thing? What was his name? 
Tom Nook. He's a raccoon, right? Yeah. Like Tom Crook, right? Is that why they call him Tom Nook? Nice. Some sort of... His shop was called, like, Nook's Cranny. Oh. Yeah. You know what was interesting about Animal Crossing to me is that it seemed to appeal to such a wide audience. I, I knew people that didn't play games that started playing that game in a weird obsessive kind of way. Uh, this wasn't on the GameCube, but my mom, I don't know if you guys, has a DS and got like Animal Crossing on DS and became obsessed with that game and just creating this life in this world. And I always found that really weird how some people really got obsessed with that. Uh, I don't think I ever got that obsessed with it. I don't think I ever played this game that long. Were any of you guys really into this game? No. Kevin was a (laughs) ghost. I feel like I was pretty into it. I I was into it when I played it at Colin's house. Yeah. Except Colin gets so mad at me. I guess it gets to the point where like I should just be living my own life. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of the joke. I feel like it just I mean, gets to the point where it's like there isn't that much to do anymore. I mean, the town's only so big, and there are only so many errands you can run for people. And you can't kill yourself like in The Sims. Yeah. What I found fun was the the designing stuff. You know, coming up with like wallpapers and shirt designs and hat designs. Because uh, that was that was the first game I I got kind of into the like sprite pixel art stuff and looking up like like Mario or, or Mega Man's model and, and then recreating it so that could be my character's shirt and that was cool and I also got uh, way into just buying all the NES games and setting up in my house and just playing NES games instead of actually playing Animal Crossing <laughs> yeah that was definitely a big part of it playing the NES games but wasn't your brother really into this Sean was it? I could have sworn Kevin played this a lot or something Kevin was Something really funny. obsessed, and he was carefully maintaining our city, city Citiesburg. So did, did you guys play in the same city? I think so. Maybe. I f- yeah, I feel like that was the thing. Like everyone who played, who had like a a character, all their houses were like in the same neighborhood. But you know, they were always gone when when you would play on your file. Interesting. So the town was big enough for the two of you. Sorry, go on. You you could put your character on a memory card and like bring it to a friend's house, and it would be like your character's visiting a new town because he's on your friend's city. Yeah, I feel like we did that once. Oh. And then there's also the thing. Remember the GameCube had the uh, the Game Boy adapter, and you could plug in your Game Boy Advance and go to some stupid island. And I know I did that for some reason to do something. Yeah. Yeah, so did I. I felt like I remember watching Colin doing that. It was like a big deal. <laughs> like, this yeah, is, this is pretty lame. <laughs> and I was like, "Can I play Colin?" He's like, "No, <laughs> this is serious. This is my town." <laughs> now, Colin, you talk. Yeah, sorry. That's kind of the thing about Animal Crossing is it could it can turn it can become a really infuriating game. Uh, you know, all someone has to do is hit the reset button and you'll get yelled at by Rossetti for what feels like a lifetime next time you try to turn the game on. And I, I, I know you could, you know, just go into your friend's town and dig a bunch of holes and they, no matter who they are, or chop down all the trees. That's what I was always to freak out. Because, I mean, this is a game that would reward you for going all OCD and ripping out all the weeds in the whole town. 
Whoa. Interesting. Now, Colin, you're talking about uh, how you wanted to play this again. Do you still have your so you still have your save file to this game? Uh, yeah. I mean, That's that was so the crazy. thing about that game was that it came with its own memory card. Oh, yeah. So I never used that memory card for anything else. So. <laughs> you wanted to go back and see if your town is in ruins or something. Well, I know it's just going to be covered in weeds. Everyone's going to be, like, super shocked to see you. Like, I thought you were dead. It's been five <laughs> years since I've seen you. I just imagine, like, Rambo, like, him coming back to, you know... Civilization, you're coming back to your hometown. And Mr. Rossetti yells at you a bunch, and then you kill him and all this. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's the problem with this game. It's this. It's not edgy anyway. It's so cutesy. At least the Sims can be edgy if you're creative. Yeah, you, you can know. like get laid and stuff. <laughs> oh god, that game's so funny. Also, double Or get super depressed. My favorite thing about Sims is bargaining with the Grim Reaper. Uh, but you can't do any of that in Animal Crossing, and uh, I don't know that Animal Crossing will make our list. I think it's probably a little too cutesy. Uh, it's it's a nice game. I think it's worth touching on if you're talking about GameCube. You got to bring it up because I feel like it's one of the big titles. I remember we 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 scammed this game because uh, remember it was like aware of the clock, and you would it would recognize like Christmas and your birthday and and, and stuff like that, and uh, we would go in and change the clock to be like. 50 years in the future just so we could go in to our mailbox and get all the birthday and Christmas presents. And of course we would ruin our town. It would just get devoured in weeds, but it was worth it. You had like infinite money. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than infinite money. In in the infinite future. Yeah. But could eternal darkness be better than infinite money? I guess we're going to find out. The Eternal Darkness is a survival horror game that was supposed to be a launch title, uh, but of course, the GameCube launched in September 2001, I think. Does that sound about right? And of course, this game's really violent, so it was really close to 9-11, and people didn't want that, uh, so it got pushed back a little bit. And because of that... Uh, a lot of people didn't play it. It's, it's kind of forgotten game for a lot of people, but it was a really interesting survival horror game inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, kind of. I'm not sure how. It, I guess because it's placed in like the New England part of the United States, and there's like demons and stuff. And you're basically this woman who gets visited by the ghost of her grandfather, and then she goes to Rhode Island, and she finds these pages from this uh, evil book. And then she keeps finding pages um, that are all connected from this evil, this evil character. And this is where the game gets interesting, is you, you go back in, into the past and play these different characters in different time frames. You'll play, like, this, uh, this Roman like centurion guy or this Persian swordsman, or you'll be like in the 50s and you'll play as some scientist and you're just going all out through time fighting like demons and the dead and weird stuff like that. There's a lot of stories, so I'm not doing a very good job of like explaining it. So if you guys haven't heard of it, you're probably like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Sean, have you played this? I've played a very little of it. Uh, I've always been really intrigued by it, especially... Uh, the 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 sanity stuff, the, the sanity meter, like your yeah, character but... goes 
goes more crazy and the, and the game can even like fuck with you and tell you like your game key was broken you have to <laughs> quit you have to turn off the power or something this is why yeah this is a, a love hate relationship with this game because sometimes you'd walk into your room and you'd be on the ceiling and you're like oh god there's some sort of crappy glitch with my game it's all fucked up or you'd walk into a room and there's a million enemies and you're like oh shit and you start fighting them but then they disappear they're not really there <laughs> And the volume, like, messes up. It was funny. as like my disc had, I don't know if it was a scratch. There was something wrong. Sometimes it'd crap out in the middle of the, of the game. And I'd be like, is this the sanity meter? Is, like, <laughs> is it so extreme that it turns off the game and makes the game not work? Like, I didn't know because there's so many other aspects of the game that made the game, like, really hard to play. Or, like, yeah, your GameCube is broken or you have no sound anymore. You can't get sound. And there's – you'd have to uh, – I can't remember how you'd overpower the sanity meter. You had to do something like perform sweet combos <laughs> on enemies. And, like, oh, yeah, you're saying because you could perform that sweet combo on this <laughs> demon thing. Uh so the sanity meter was really interesting, but it also made the game uh, frustrating. It was kind of difficult, as most survival horror games, I guess, should be. You always felt like you were outnumbered or you didn't have enough health or enough items. But the time travel aspect of this game is so cool. Playing in all these different time frames, playing... Like, there's this, like, Canadian... Black Canadian firefighter during, like, the Gulf War. And there's just so many different characters. I think there's... How many are there? Maybe it's like 10 or 12 or something different characters you play uh, throughout the game. I could only get through like five because then my game would lose its sanity and I could not play it anymore. Uh, I think that's why I struggled so much with like trying to explain this because I just never really got that far into it because there's something off with my copy and I never could get a good copy of this game. But... It is a really interesting title, and it, it's not like it's like a new original game. You know, it's like we were saying earlier how a lot of the best GameCube games were like familiar Nintendo characters and everything, and this was something new, and it succeeded on a pretty interesting level. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's not enough. Even I haven't played it enough, but it's definitely one you got to touch on for this. Yes, yeah, it's something I always thought was really cool. And- uh, I, I just I bought my copy of the game like well into this generation of consoles um, to play it on my Wii, and I just never had enough interest to really hunker down and play it for a while. I think I just sat down and played it once for a little bit, so I just kind of know the beginning. Uh, but it, it's kind of interesting time we're talking about this because Silicon Knights, uh, the guys who make this game uh, or, or who made this game, have not really made anything successful since then. They did uh, the the Metal Gear Solid GameCube port, and then they did um, a game called Two Human, which they were like, this is going to be the big revolution of video games. And it got delayed forever. It finally came out in 2008, and it was bad. No one liked it, and it sold <laughs> terribly. And uh, so to recover from that, they did uh, an X-Men game called X-Men Dennis, uh, Destiny. And that Dentistry? Also X-Men Dentistry. <laughs> You play as Wolverine uh, using Connect. You have to take molars out of people's mouths. I like molars. to think you're Magneto and you're like taking out your like braces and stuff. <laughs> like remember that scene in, in X Men when Magneto as a child is like pulling on the gates, except he's like pulling your braces out of your mouth. <laughs> <You're> like, oh! 
That hurt real bad. That's a good game. Uh, and and just last week, Silicon Knights uh, went bankrupt. Lost lost a, a suit with uh, Epic Games, the guys who who make like the engine that runs most games these days. And so since they lost that, they have to forfeit everything they did with that engine, which is like everything they've done and everything they're working on. And they even have to recall and destroy copies of Two Human and X-Men Destiny and, and anything else they made with the Unreal Engine. So, so things this, not looking good. This company has just been experiencing 10 years of absolute failure. Yeah. That's horrible. I feel so bad for them. At least they got Dentistry. You know, I just opened up their Wikipedia page, and uh, they have you know, the little sidebar, and it says, Employees fewer than five. Wow, that's dark. Let's move on to something a little, a little lighter. F-Zero GX. No idea what that means. GX. Grand Express? Grand. X Grand. Uh, I don't know, it just sounds cool. You know, it's too bad that GameCube didn't come up with some sort of gimmick like how all the N64 games had, you know, 64 in them. GameCube never came up with something like that. It's not like all the games had Cube in them. I don't know. Mario. I like that this is one Nintendo console where they got away from that. Because, you know, you, then they move on to the DS where everything is like something subtitle, something that starts with a D, something that starts with an S. And now everything's 3D because of the 3DS and or Wii for the Wii. You know, here they had to actually think a little bit and come up with titles. Although it's called F Zero Cubed. I believe the arcade version of this was called F Zero AX. So it could just be F Zero X they had already used. So the GameCube one is GX and the arcade one is AX. I hate that for games that are future-based where they have to put, like, G-X-A-X-F-X. It's like, whoa, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> it's a lot of X's. So it's so futuristic. Uh, so th this game was basically, like, fucking fast and, and fucking hard. Rate. Fucking... Exactly. I think we played it just a couple summers ago just to see how it held up. And I just... I couldn't believe how fast this game was. Like, I can't focus on what I'm doing. this Ship is moving way too fast. And someone says something, you know, like, it's going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that became a catchphrase for us for a while. So, something around the lines of that. Sean thought the casino level was crazy. It is crazy. You're like driving on the ground, then you're driving on the ceiling, then you're driving sideways. And there's like tubes you can go all the way around because you're going so fast. Yeah. But this reminded me of why, like, uh, pod racer for N64 is I like ships and I like flying really fast but I think this one was probably more more appealing for me just graphically it looks really nice the colors really pop racing I think always looks really uh, fun on Nintendo consoles it's always really colorful and bright I don't know what else to say about it it's your ships you're flying really fast it's pretty cool I guess <laughs> anyone have yeah. any insight into this game no it's basically just you go real fast and it's awesome. And it's crazy. I, it looked really good at the time. Like shockingly good. Like graphics couldn't get any better. <laughs> it still looks pretty good. It looks pretty good. Yeah. I feel like most GameCube games look 
pretty good even now, which is not really the case with something like the N64 or PlayStation. Like they got to the point where it's like, yeah, this this works. Yeah. So in the long run, do you think F-Zero is one of the premier titles or it's just kind of a, a nice game? Yeah, just nothing. Uh, you know, it, it would probably have been more popular if it wasn't so goddamn hard. <laughs> what, what was hard about it? I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I remember the multiplayer, like I was saying, it was too fast for me, but I don't know if, I never played the one player. Yeah, well, the different. whole game is really fast, and it's really punishing. Uh, if, if you fuck up and crash or fly off the track, you're, you're, especially in the later levels in the game, you're probably not going to, you know, win or even place in the top three. It's, it's just really hard racing. And that's probably because it was also an arcade game. I, I remember... Uh, watching a, a video with Colin where they were like talking about the arcade release in Japan, which I, I'd be surprised if there's even a single F-Zero AX machine out here in America. But at the time, they were really excited because uh, they were doing uh, like a card-based thing where you, you like had your own like F-Zero driver's license and you put it in and you earned tickets and you, you racked up as many tickets as you could. Uh, by like speeding like, tickets? No, like rewards. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. I hope everybody <laughs> made sure to cash those in uh, like 10 years ago. But yeah, I, I mean, it's Japan. They're on top of that shit. Yeah, they're on top of it. They're efficient. Just like this next game. Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. Yeah, I guess you could say... Uh... It's short. I think it's probably shorter than a lot of Zelda games, so in, in, in that way, you know, it gets to the point uh, faster. I certainly didn't play this game efficiently. <laughs> it was hard to. Okay, so let's set the stage a little bit. So this is a game... How, how long had it been since the last Zelda game before this? Uh, well, Majora's Mask was... 98? No, was that Ocarina of Time? They were pretty close in release, weren't they? 2000-ish, maybe? Yeah. Let's go and 2000. Let's go 2000, and then... And then this, Wakers, this would 2000. be 2002, or maybe so 2003. There's a three for us, for us yanks. Yanks. That's right. I remember that because I pre-ordered it at Blockbuster, and they fucked me. <laughs> How'd they fuck you, Sean? Well, you had to pre-order this game because they they gave you the HD or at least GameCube ported versions of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. Uh, well, it was it was just it was just Ocarina of Time. Was it really? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's that right. Too. It was Ocarina of Time and then a version of Ocarina of Time where the dungeons were fit were switched to be more confusing. Yeah, something like that. So and you you. Had didn't, to... you you didn't get that that version of Ocarina of Time. No, I I did get it, but uh, because uh, because we live in in Kirkland, Washington, where we don't have, you know, a real electronics store, I walked down to the Blockbuster, and pre-ordered it there. I and think I did mine at Fred Meyer. Nice, but you had that to drive worked, to Fred Meyer. You can't that walk worked out. No. I have to hear the end of this story. Okay, go on. So, so I pre-ordered it, and I got the the Ocarina of Time stuff later than everyone else, but I got it. And then I came in on the day Wind Waker came out, 
And they're like, oh, no, we don't have any copies of that <laughs> at all. <laughs> and it took like two weeks for them to have a copy of Wind Waker. Which I, I guess in the end wasn't that big a deal. But I remember Colin had his copy and he was playing it. And I came over and watched it and it just seemed so badass. And I, and I still I, I still get burned by this today. I, I, I pre-ordered Halo 4, and that came out last Tuesday, and I'm not getting my copy till Thursday of this week. It just If you pay all your money for a thing that's not even out yet, you should be able to have it when it comes out, you know? No. Sure. Okay, but yeah. But Wind Waker, you, everyone came into that with a ton of hype. Uh, maybe not because it had been so long, since I think... Yeah, what three years, tops? Uh, but just because they had shown off that cool HD footage of, or not HD, but nicer looking 3D <laughs> footage of uh, of Lincoln and Ganondorf fighting uh, way before the GameCube even came out, and people were like, "All right, we're gonna finally get like the sweetest, grittiest, darkest Zelda game we can ever imagine." And then instead, Nintendo's like, "No, we're going cartoons." And so everyone got really anxious, like, is this, is this the end of Zelda? Are they ruining it? <laughs> and in the end, I would say, no, this is a pretty cool Zelda title. Right? Yeah, I was definitely on the fence at first about the graphical style. It cel-shaded, I guess, is what it was. Uh, but then when you, when you start playing this game... It, it's a style that totally works. It, it it has this beautiful, almost like watercolor painting style to it. That's so un. It was so unlike any other game that I'd played at the time. And then the fact that this game is primarily built around you sailing everywhere across the ocean, because I guess everything is flooded. It it, it just was so. It was really beautiful. Yeah, I, I thought it was a great move on their part. I loved how expressive it made all the characters. With their big eyes and dumb mouths. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a really a great style for the for the kind of game for the whole Zelda style. Uh, my only problem with this game it was the the uh, the thing that I loved was also the thing that I hated it was the sailing. Uh, I would sail for so long these you know the, these extended periods of time and get totally lost. And I think that's the reason I never beat this game. Actually, is is because I was. <laughs> I was just I was lost at sea all the time for hours on end. <laughs> yeah, the, so it, the game demanded a certain level of exploration just to even progress in the main story, and I feel yeah. like it was not that clear where you were supposed to go all the time. Uh, I know in the end, I just got the player's guide and followed that to all the sweet treasure. I, I, that would have been yeah. I really needed one for this. Colin, you beat this though, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the only Zelda game I've beaten. Uh, and you, did you struggle at all with this, you know, going across the water? I think I did. Um, I probably used lots of walkthroughs that were on the internets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To tell me where to go. Because otherwise, yeah, I probably would have gotten lost and wouldn't have known. Where to go in the wild, wide, wide world of Wind Waker? It's crazy. This is still a, a period of time where I wasn't really relying on the internet to help me with games. I was still either it's like if I don't have a player's guide, that's that's it. There's no there's nothing else I can do. It's, it's weird. I don't know. It's just like I had I wasn't smart enough 
think about, wait, the internet can tell me what to do. You know what I, I really remember when I think about you and player's guides is Kingdom Hearts, where you weren't like using it as a player's guide. You just liked that it came with like a map of all the 101 Dalmatians <laughs> that you could put a sticker of the Dalmatians on when you found them. See, you when you say it like that, that, it makes it sound like I'm a little kid. No, no. You see, well, you were. <laughs> I was like, when did that come out? That's like 2002 or something. I wasn't that little, but preteen. Yeah, all right. Uh, but no, this, just to go off on a bit, Kingdom Hearts, the thing about the Dalmatians is you, you collect them all throughout the game, and that helped me keep track of, of the ones I'd collected. And I was using the player's guide, like, oh, i got to get this Dalmatian, i got to get this Dalmatian. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to go too deep into Kingdom Hearts, though that is a great game that I really love. Uh, but yeah, that was probably the most dedicated I ever was to a player's guide. And I really should have got a player's guide for Wind Waker. But I still enjoyed the gameplay that I did experience. The uh, I, I, I just remember when you dropped bombs, how the explosions looked. It was just this animation that was even beautiful in that. And the, the enemies were kind of buffoonish. But there's there's a kind of charming quality to everything. It's like a Miyazaki film or something. Maybe. Yeah, and I haven't played it since. You know, giving up in a fit of rage. I think the last one. I remember the wait. One of the last times I played was when Futurama ended. That was a dark day. <laughs> I was like, Futurama's getting canceled. This sucks. I can't beat this fucking game. <laughs> It'll be dark okay. Day. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> it got better. This kind of—I don't think I ever played a Zelda game after this. Yeah, pretty bittersweet. You didn't play any Twilight Princess. Okay, well, I don't, I don't want to admit it, but I got stuck after like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "This is embarrassing. The game has just started, and I don't know what to do. I don't even totally on the internet." That totally happened to me. I, we had just gotten back from the, the Wii launch, so we had all been up for like 30 hours. And it was like 7 in the morning. And we plugged the Wii in and we started playing Twilight Princess. And uh, and by we, I mean me and my, and my cousin Brian. And we got like, we were just like exploring Link's little village. There was like a little thing, like you have to go beat this guy. We could not figure out where to meet the guy. It's weird. Yeah, you run into a problem so early in that game. It's like I've never run into uh, that kind of standstill in a game so early on. That in I think I might even still have your copy in my house, Sean. So I'll return that to you because as it's been played since I threw my controller in a fit of rage. Uh, so Twilight Prince is also uh, a Zelda game that came out on GameCube, but I, I, I don't think that one counts. Uh, just because it was also the Wii launch Zelda game, and that was like a Wii system seller, at least for people like me. And I don't, I don't think we need to take away from Wind Waker. I think it's it's a really great game, and we've talked about the graphics. Uh, but the, the other things you look for in a Zelda game are here too. It's got an, a great soundtrack. It's got uh, you know fun gameplay that for for some reason only these games can get away with controlling as weird as they do. And, and making it fun and uh in the stories you know interesting uh maybe not the best but it's it's cool that like when you get to the end you find out that this is actually like chronologically way later after like all the other games and it's connected to ocarina of time in a cool way i thought it was a pretty sweet game sweet game 
good treatment of a classic character. Uh, I guess yeah. I was going to do a transition, but then I lost my train of thought. Yeah. Luigi. I, I, <laughs> okay. Luigi. He has a, a mansion. S- a somewhat classic Nintendo character. No, is it his enough. mansion? He wins it in From some who? sort of contest. I don't know. You know, I don't tend to remember like the stories to Mario games. They're not. They don't tend to be that compelling um, from a storytelling sense. But something about Luigi wins a mansion. Him and Mario go down there. Mario disappears. Luigi's all scared, and then he meets this scientist guy, Doctor E. Gad, and he's got his. He's, he's, yeah. I know, right? And he gives you a vacuum cleaner, and you're going around looking for uh, Mario in your haunted mansion. And what's Wait, cool about why this is, is Mario in my mansion. I don't remember. He's he, he, he went with you. To Mario I, missing? I, I told you they went together, and then Mario went missing in the mansion or something like that. I'm not 100. percent Something like that. And so you're going around and you're catching ghosts with your vacuum which is really super fun. I mean, this is basically like Ghostbusters the game, but it beat, you know, Ghostbusters to the, to the punch. I mean, I guess, you know, later on they made Ghostbusters games that were what you'd expect a Ghostbusters game to be, but this, this beat it to the punch where you're using the, use the C stick and you're pointing it around. And it was, there's a challenge to catch a ghost in this, I, I feel like. It wasn't, you had to really follow them. There are certain techniques to certain ghosts. Uh, I, of course, I haven't played it since 2001, so it's, it's a little hazy, but this was the first game that I played for the GameCube, and it was really addictive, and it was, it, the look of the game had, you know, it was very spooky, but it was still fun because it's Nintendo, and I got to the last boss, and I just couldn't beat it so hard, and then AJ is always bragging about how, you know, he beat it, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, I, I also got to the last boss and I couldn't beat it. It was too hard. One of the hardest last bosses. I mean, I don't usually get, I, I don't beat a lot of games, so maybe granted, that's not saying much. Granted, I was renting it from Blockbuster. And so I was like, oh, oh like, I got to beat the boss, but yeah, I got to return it tomorrow to Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, it was I something just like. beat it in time. Well, all the ghosts had a, had a health. Uh, health bar or like or point values like this it goes has 100 and you kind of like drain their health there's something really hard about the final boss he was like a giant bowser but he was secretly a like boo you know from the mario the mario franchise and it was really hard to get it so you could damage him at all you had to do some complicated thing make his head come off i don't know it was super super difficult there's some pretty hard ghosts in this game too it definitely had a rising uh, challenge level but it was always, it was, for the most part, it was usually a fair challenge. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say most of the game was really frustrating, just the very end was. Yeah, it, I mean, it seems like it was probably pretty easy if I could beat it in like a week or whatever you get to <laughs> <laughs> rent a game at Blockbuster. Yeah, but I was just really impressed by where they decided to take the Mario franchise and, hey, let's do a game where Luigi catches ghosts. Like, whoever would have thought of that? Like, I wouldn't have. It, it's, it was... I think it was just an inspired uh, concept, and it succeeded in a really interesting way. Sean, did you not play this or not play it much or something? Or? I've never played a single second of this game. Oh, man, this game is really <laughs> fun. 
Uh, and it's just, I, I love how scared Luigi is in the whole game. He's always like screaming. <laughs> and I just remember like there's parts where he, it's, it's weird. He's like scared and he like sings along with the soundtrack to the game while it's playing. He's like, da, 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 da. Like why is he why is he doing that? Is that calming his nerves? Is this when they started making Luigi super weird, or is that even before this? I mean, he's pretty comical in this. There's really nothing cool about him in this game. He's all just slapsticky, jokey, cheesiness. Yeah, I, I mean, it could have been Mario. Mario wouldn't. Have, I don't think Mario would have been such a bitch if you were playing as Mario. <laughs> I don't know why they went with Luigi. I guess maybe Mario's Mansion has alliteration, so I don't know why they went with Luigi's Mansion. But I guess it was nice because Luigi had that Mario's Missing game, which is supposed to be really terrible. So it's nice that Luigi finally got his own title that was really unique and really fun. So there were no geography lessons? (laughs) There were no geography lessons in Luigi's Mansion. It was all one central location. So that that was good. That's a relief. Yeah. Uh, definitely, one, I think, one of the most interesting titles on the console. And with that, I guess we can move on to Luigi's more famous brother. Mario Kart. Double Dash. Double Dash. Now, Double Dash's innovation, was there two people on a cart? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm just making sure I remember the right one because some of the later titles blur together. Though I seem like we always say like, "Oh man, I wish we were playing Double Dash." Like that was the best one. Why was Double Dash the best one? You think? I feel like they just kind of like improved the controls. They didn't really change them, but they just kind of honed them a little better than they ever had. Like I feel like in the other games, you can't use like the the shoulder buttons to like slide and turn around corners all and with this you can and it feels really slick and i feel like yeah it's mainly just the controls feel really tight like the tightest they'd ever been in a mario kart game now i can't recall what was the point of having two people on a cart though what was the uh how did that change the gameplay I feel like the only way it changed is that you could have two items at a time instead uh. of just one Sweet. And that's the best thing about these games is the items, is sabotaging everybody else. Oh, yeah. And getting more opportunities to do that. I mean, that's awesome. Uh, but I remember we played one of the Wii ones, and for, yeah, we didn't like it as much as Double Dash. I, maybe it was that it just didn't feel as fluid. Or, I think that was definitely It, it could just be it. as simple as that, because I feel like Mario Kart is they they pretty much perfected it really early on you know in the first game it's like yeah everything's pretty much works pretty well so it's 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 basically minor adjustments to make this game this game series uh, good you don't want to go too far in one direction or not enough this one was just enough adjustment to like make it even better than it already was and plus i mean you're never going to want to play the N64 one over this one cuz it looks like shit and this one still looks pretty good Mm-hmm. I mean, Mario graphics can only get so much better on the Wii, even, you know? It's not like you're going to make Mario look, like, super realistic or, like, a real human or <laughs> motion capture. We're going to motion capture Bob Hoskins for this next one. Super ripped. You're really we're scary. Gonna... Bob Hoskins yeah. today? <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Well, how else are you going to motion? You're not going to motion travel back in time and motion capture him. So it's got to be Bob Hoskins today. Or you get Bob Hoskins lookalike, who's like 20 years younger. Uh, this I prefer. Get that guy's moment in the sun. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I feel like pretty much everything we said about Mario Kart when we talked about Super Nintendo, we could just put all that in here. So if you just want to cut that out of the Super Nintendo one. <laughs> And then just put it into this podcast. And every time we say Super Nintendo, just put in GameCube. <laughs> it's not all worse because we pretty much, you know, laid down all our praise on Mario Kart uh, with yeah. Super Nintendo one. I agree with Colin. I think the the power slide ability is probably the the biggest change. I mean, I, I believe it was in all the other games. It was just done differently or less easily or less well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two riders thing was cool because you know you, had, you both have items and you can switch spots. But you know I had the risk reward thing where if you got hit you dropped your item. And that was kind of fun. Uh, different kinds of carts, unlike uh, the '64, which just had the one kind of cart uh, per person. I think this was yeah, just right. taking Mario Kart about as far as you can go with it. I think. And that's why uh, the, the Wii one is so disappointing is because they kind of ditched out on the fun Double Dash stuff and instead just went for, well, instead of carts, maybe you can also ride motorcycles. <laughs> and also you have to control it with the dumb Wii wheel, which just ruins it. Yeah. And I feel like Double Dash was the last one where it was forward-looking. I feel like since then the games have become really backward-looking and, and, and like half the levels are just levels from the other games, you know, remastered for whatever console it's on. Yeah. Hey, remember why this game was awesome? These levels. No, this one, this one was innovative. It had sweet characters like Waluigi. (laughs) How do you guys feel about Waluigi in the Mario universe? It doesn't make sense. The M flips over and it becomes a W. That's That's why he's Wario. So... Shouldn't be Waluigi. It should be like I don't know, Tuigi, because I guess an L kind of looks like a capital T when flipped upside down. Yeah, I never even Luigi. understood what Waluigi's character was. I mean, I get Wario. He's he's crass. He's gross. He like farts and pukes and stuff. <laughs> and probably swears too. What's Waluigi's deal? Like, what's what is he like? What's he? He's just an asshole or something. <laughs> Yeah, he is. Fucking asshole. He's apparently illiterate because he has a backward a, an L on his hat. Maybe that's his thing. He's mean because he's of his learning disability. It's it's made him bitter. John, don't you make me pity Waluigi. Don't you do it. <laughs> it's a monster. I'm just trying to understand him, you know? But yeah, he sucks. This game doesn't. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I, I assume this next game is pretty sweet. Metro Prime? I told you how this game sold me on the console, right? Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, I, I just think as far as atmosphere in a game, not many do it better than Metroid Prime. Uh, and, and there's another Nintendo property that took a huge risk. Uh, like like Wind Waker, they took 
the Metroid franchise, which had done so well as you know, as a side-scrolling uh, exploration-based 2D game series, and turned it into a first-person shooter on the GameCube, which, I remind you, has a bad controller for first-person shooting. <laughs> Uh, but it just totally works. Uh, the, you feel so immersed in the experience, seeing everything from Samus's point of view. Um, I mean, I remember one of the first cool moments you you see is the first time you blow something up and you see the reflection of, of Samus's face in the helmet, and you're just totally sold uh, on this universe. And and uh, and they take the all the stuff that makes Metroid fun, you know, turning into a ball and rolling around and blowing stuff up and exploring alien worlds and, and getting fancy new equipment and just being an awesome space lady. And, and they totally nail it. It's uh, Metroid Prime is definitely my favorite in, in this franchise. And it's a hell of a game, man. Hell of a game. <laughs> yeah, I was always all about when Samus would always like. Whenever she'd walk through like a pipe that had burst and there's steam coming out of it, there'd be like condensation that <laughs> forms on her visor. Yeah. That's, that was cutting edge. We may take that, that for really granted impressive. these days. But back then, condensation was, the, you know, a cutting edge game. But, yeah. Well, yeah, just, just all the little details. You felt details like you were in the world. Yeah, it was a super deep game. Kind of like all the other Metroid games where... <laughs> There's a denseness to them. There are so many different abilities you can gain. There are so many different levels. I mean, that's another thing about this game, like uh, kind of like Wind Waker. There's so much backtracking. But I don't know. It's pretty cool because you, you get to go to different levels and do something you'd never done before, before because you get another power, which is something that was always in the other Metro games. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting that it feels so much like a metroid game even though it's a first person shooter well i always thought sorry if you want to well i was just gonna say that there's jumping puzzles in this game and doing a jumping puzzle from the first person point of view is usually like the dumbest thing you can do because it's really really difficult to gauge a jump you know when you when you look down you can't even see your legs but here it it just feels right. Yeah. Those guys did a hell of a job. I was always interested in how the these games seemed a little darker than the uh than some of the other, you know, popular uh, Nintendo franchises. Was this game fairly dark or I mean, I don't know if it probably wasn't like rated M or anything, but it it seemed a little scarier than, you know, some of the other games. Was well, it You definitely or? you're definitely killing aliens. There's yeah. no doubt about it. But I guess Mario's definitely killing Koopas when he crushes them to death, <laughs> too. Uh, it's it's kind of, it's it's not that much of a story. It's Samus is on a ship, blows up, she gets stranded. Ridley's there. She's pissed. She's trying to get Ridley. And by Ridley, you mean Ridley Scott? Like he's actually in the game. <laughs> Yeah, he's out there working on Avatar. <laughs> uh, right. That was a Why cool part when you're falling and you're like, sh- and, and Ridley's there too, and you're like falling together, shooting him, kind of like Gandalf fighting the Balrog. 
in first person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why is this called Prime? What, is, what does that have to do with the game? Does anyone know? It probably had some reason. <laughs> I, I like when you take a famous game that you spent like a lot of time with and no one's like really sure why it was called that. <laughs> it's just called that. It sounded cool. They should have just called it Metroid GX AXF. Yeah, because everyone would remember that. <laughs> People like the X because it reminds them of sex. This game hot? I understand it's a chick. Dude. When you get the x-ray visor, you can totally see our hand in the gun. You can see your hand moving around. Nice. Pretty hot. Skeleton hand. Hot. Prime rib. That kind of thing. (laughs) 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 That that was also cool how you can go through all the different visors. Like there's that one visor where you just... You point it towards something, gives you information on that. For some reason, I always got wrapped up in trying to learn about the science of the game, and then I'm like, "Why am I wasting my time with this?" Well, it was kind of interesting, and I think you were rewarded for it too. I think so. Yeah. And then you can apply that knowledge to real life. Sure. Learning no, about imaginary sci-fi planets. Imaginary that don't exist. You can major in science fiction. Yes. I like it. One of the problems with the sequel, Metro Prime 2 Echoes, was way too much scanning. The game required a lot of scanning. Yeah, I feel like I just never knew where to go in that game. Like, I had to use a walkthrough going through the entire game. Like, I had to have someone telling me where to go the entire time, but... And that's rough, because that's a game where, at certain parts, just being outside damages you. Yeah, it's hard to not know where you're going. But this game just nailed it, and so much variety to the world too. I mean, there's there's a snowy part of the planet. There's like lava part of the planet. There's like rainy part of the planet where you park your ship. Mm -hmm. It's top notch. And if you plugged the Game Boy thing in, you could get the suit from Metroid Fusion. Oh, I don't know what that. I don't know what that means. Uh, Metroid, Metroid Fusion is, I think, the game that is chronologically the last Samus story, at least so far. So she's got like a sweet purple suit in that game. And you can totally plug your Game Boy in to the GameCube and steal that suit. Uh, <laughs> Doesn't cool. change any gameplay, but you look purple. <laughs> good to know, good to know. Very good. Yeah, one of the ones I was disappointed that I never got into. I don't know why. Uh, I guess it just wasn't a big uh, first-person uh, fan, but I, I probably would have enjoyed this. I like, I like sci-fi enough. Uh, I probably won't ever get to play it unless I really get into GameCube again. I suppose it could happen. The we'll controls see. are kind of weird. They, they might feel weird now, especially. Uh, maybe it's worth trying to track down the Wii version of the Metro okay. Prime trilogy. I don't All know. Right. I never played those. Okay. But is it, right. is it, yeah, go ahead. I, I, I played it a little bit before we did this podcast. I feel like the controls are really fluid somehow. I don't know. Well, I like the fact that you can lock on to things. I feel yeah, like that's that, not something you ever do in first person shooters. 
and it doesn't feel like it makes it too easy. It it's still you have to like jump out of the way and shit all the time. They took away your ability to look around with the C stick, and instead they made it so you were kind of looking and moving with the left stick, and then you could like go into A mode or lock on mode. Mm-hmm. And it works. I think. It works. God, the game is really good. Yeah, it's it's just like so unique because I feel like there aren't that, or at least I don't know were, were there any first person shooters that kind of built upon this kind of unique design you like when before? I watch you what you mean before this no after this I mean when I watch you play something like Mass Effect I feel like it has to have borrowed from Metroid Prime a little bit maybe maybe I mean I, I think I think PC games were kind of dabbling with certain sci-fi elements early on. I guess. It, but, you know, maybe it could have taken a few things from this. It's definitely important. It has its place in first-person history. <laughs> and made this... by Americans. So, fuck yeah. Wow. Okay. Retro Studios. Now, Sean, was this, was this next game made by Americans? <laughs> no, this next game never even came to America, uh, but that didn't stop me from playing it. It's Naruto Gekito Ninja Taisen 4, which I think the American version of that title is Clash of the Ninja 4. Uh, so Naruto, Naruto, however you choose to pronounce it, one correct, one incorrect. I won't tell you which is which. I'll let the mystery live. Um was pretty popular in the early 2000s, even in these United States, uh, where I think it might even remain popular to this day because, oh, God, that fucking thing just doesn't end. I, I can actually tell you, earlier this year, I went over to a friend's house, and uh, he's, like, dating this person. He's, like, 20 years older than him, so she had little kids. <laughs> and uh, they had a Naruto game, and I played it. And it was like a sensory overload. Yeah, that's I assume this game is the same, is like similar in that, like just like hella ADDs, like all these bright colors and characters speaking really fast. Mm, a little bit. Uh, okay. There, there were the PS2 games, which I believe are called something like Naru Ultimate Warrior, uh, which I never had any interest in. Uh, but Gekito Ninja Taisen 4. Was what? Uh, what a four-player game, which was just awesome at the time, because four-player games are infinitely better than two-player games. This this is known. They're two times better. <laughs> at least two times better. <laughs> uh, and and Jake had a copy of this, and we would play it all the time. It was kind of you know like a Power Stone or uh, uh, Smash Brothers, I guess. So you hit him off the screen. Or something like that? I believe you actually knocked them out. They're health bars, like a real okay. fighting game. Um, but, you know, kind of the free-for-all chaos of of two-on-two or, or one-on-one-on-one-on-one or, or whatever it's called. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, it being a franchise that at the time I really cared about helped and made it more fun than it is. But it, I, felt, I feel like it's a pretty competent fighter, uh, you know, with... The added bonus of it of it being four player, which has never been that common. There just aren't that many four player fighting games ever for some reason. 
Uh, and this is just a game I, I played a hell of a lot of. Did you and Jake wear those headbands and you played it? No, that was only the creepy girls in the anime club that scared the shit out of us so much we had to quit. What do you mean scared the shit out of you? They were just like hella intense. Okay, So Jake's <laughs> sister started the anime club at our high school. So when we heard that it was still going on and like the Japanese teacher taught it and we liked the Japanese teacher or she didn't teach it, but she was like the advisor for it. <laughs> so, so we like started going to that and it was like, it seemed all right at first, but these these like intense girls who'd wear Naruto headbands all the time, like the entire day of school, every day of the week for the whole year would like, like sit in the front and they'd like sing along with the songs in Japanese. <laughs> and they were all like super white, by the way. And, uh, and there were like, you know, a couple dudes there who were like way into that shit too and so uh, after like a week or two jake and i just were just trolling that club i remember i ran for office <laughs> ran to be like the vice president of the club and my speech is like why not vote for me and then i sat back down <laughs> did you win no i lost badly <laughs> Well, did they like announce like all the like the tallies like Oh, Sean, you didn't just lose. You lost badly. <laughs> no, I just assume. Uh, and, and Jake and I stopped going to the anime club uh, pretty quick. You didn't wear a headband. I bet if you'd worn a headband and then talked like, uh, Naruto, like if you'd given your excuse <laughs> like that, you would have won. Yeah, talk like an offensive Asian person. He also would have been like suspended. Uh, that would get him pumped up. People would be like, that's the greatest speech I've ever seen. You know, you know what the final nail in the coffin for me was? It, and I pronounced it anime instead of anime, and everyone laughed at me. <laughs> well, loser. Had you been president, you would have been impeached. <laughs> Unless he passed a law of changing the pronunciation. Yeah, you exiled or you're kicked out of the club for saying that? Uh, no, Jake and I just stopped going because, Jesus Christ, that was terrible. But we've played a lot of this game. I And uh, I, he had a copy, and I, later on I bought my own because I liked it so much I wanted to play a single player. Hmm. Very First cool. First game I imported. Well, I've never played it. So, yeah, I, don't I swear to God, I made you all play it at some point. Uh, Maybe I, 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 that sounds sort of familiar. I have no memory. So, of I, I guess I have played it, but I don't remember that. It could be a, you know, like a dream or a memory that's been placed in my mind. It didn't really happen. Like, uh, I don't know. Anyways, but something that did happen was uh, Pikmin Two, which I owned, I believe. I didn't own the first uh, Pikmin. I rented it. I don't remember if I beat it. I hated the fact that it was, like, counting down. It was a game where you had to rebuild uh, your ship in a certain amount of time, and I hated that. So I was like, yeah. I don't know if Pikmin 2 did the same thing. Maybe it no, did. No, Pikmin I feel 2 like it totally ditched the timer. Yeah, and that was nice. It was nice just to explore and enjoy the world. I feel like the setup to this game was kind of weird. Something about your company being, like, mass debt. A lot of GameCube games about being in debt. And you're sent, um, Captain Olimar, sent to this planet with a partner, Louis. 
and I guess they're collecting treasures there, and then they run into Pikmin again, and Pikmin are these little sprout-type creatures that you pull out of the ground, and you make them go do stuff for you. You make them collect items, you make them fight uh, monsters, and that's always fun, because if, you, if you're not well-trained, there's, like, Pikmin genocide, and they all get mass killed, and it's super sad, because they're pretty cute, and you're, like, sending them out to their doom. Oh. And I think the appeal of Pikmin 2, yeah, I guess the timer that was definitely something that would be an improvement and uh you could have sold that game by it's pikmin with no timer oh yeah i'm sold uh you know just little minor improvements in gameplay and graphical stuff and it had a two-player mode which was a competitive two-player mode but it was still fun because you know you like to see your partner or you the person you're competing against you know pikmin genocide it's satisfying when it's someone else's pikmin oh yeah not your own i enjoyed nothing more in smash brothers than pikmin genocide yeah. Yeah, you do. That's. I don't know what that. What does that say about you? I don't know. And what I think was cool about the Pikmin games is they were from uh, what's his face, right? Miyamoto. You know. Yeah, and when was the last time he created like an original, like really fresh, cool idea like this? It, I feel like it'd been a while. Maybe he was, he's. I mean, he seems like he's kept pretty busy over the years, but this was like a new idea that he had, and it was just as you know, clever as his older ones. Actually, I don't know if his older ones were, were clever, now that I think about it. Is Mario really that clever of an idea? I guess Mario, it is. Mario's a trip. Mario's a trip. <laughs> it's, it's, it seems so classic trip now, but think about it. It's like, there's just plumbers, goes through pipes, and there's like turtles, and he jumps on them and shit. That was his pitch. <laughs> we'll do it. Uh, but yeah, Pikmin, and, and you know something I always really liked about Pikmin is it always, I, you always kind of felt like you were on this past world that where people had like died out because there's always stuff like big tin cans, you know, that seemed like they were uh, f- from a time where humans populated this planet, like life-size humans. And then it always blew my mind to think that, well, maybe like Almar is going to these like Earth, like in the future – but it always, it always thought it was really weird because that means like he's like the size of a mouse, <laughs> and that that kind of that's kind of weird. I feel like on the cover of Pikmin Two, I mean, he's it looks like he's fighting a lobster or something, a lobster-like creature that's really big. Uh, I mean, it could be just some monster that just kind of resembles a lobster. But I still like to continue the theory that Pikmin is like you know. I think this is a different planet from the first game, so this is probably all bullshit. But I like to think that Pikmin like takes place after the apocalypse, which is funny because the whole like disposition of the game is like, oh, it's kind of sunny and cheerful, it's real bright and clever. Uh, did you guys play Pikmin? Yeah, I got a copy. Played yeah, some, copy. Um, Pikmin two. Yeah, I lost my copy at some point though. That's pretty. That was pretty devastating. The only thing I remember about Pikmin one is my aunt was totally obsessed with it which is cool because she was not much of a gamer so i would say this is one of the few that somehow has some hella broad appeal which is pretty cool because it's it's like a it's like a strategy game it's not not a genre that you would think would be that accessible yeah unless you unless you want constant pikmin genocide over and over again you got to utilize uh, uh certain approaches to certain tasks Oh, those little ghosts are cute. Makes you think. You know, they're, they're ghosts. I, I don't think I'd ever call a ghost of a cute thing uh, cute. 
<laughs> oh, what a cute ghost. <laughs> He's going to be all right. He's going to be. Yeah, sure. In the, in the next life, things will be better. With all the humans that died in the apocalypse. Is there Pikmin reincarnation or are they just all new? They're usually, they're new. <laughs> usually, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're reincarnated. I'm not sure how uh, the Pikmin I don't like after- that. I don't know how the Pikmin afterlife works. You haven't read the Gospels? Yeah. <laughs> and then their ghosts go up with all the people that died in the apocalypse. These games are just riddled with death. They reek of death. That's what they should call the next one, Pikmin 3. <laughs> the reek of death. <laughs> That's an awful title. No, the reek of death, GX. <laughs> I like it. Well, Pikmin no. 3 is coming out for the Wii U. Yeah, it's taking I them fucking it. forever. This guy's gonna be fucking great. Yeah. Is it gonna be called like Pick You? I believe right now it is just called Pikmin Three. If it was called Pick You, you could like have your uh, your Mies, as they call them in Wii's on Wii, like your Wii. I just get really confusing. You know the person you create on your Wii, like you have yourself. You're, it, me. Yeah, your me. So your me could be your you. It'd pick you. And when you play pick you, you play your me. That was super confusing to say. Moving on. Resident Evil 4. This game kind of changed the, the course of action games for a while. That, at least for this franchise, change the face. I, I I think the influence of of the you know putting the, your character off to the side of the camera, off the side of the frame, uh, the, the the combat. This is a Resident Evil Four. I think pretty influential in in the grand scheme of things, and and also a little bit divisive, I guess. So there's some people that just the the stop and aim and shoot. Uh, gameplay style uh, but for me someone who hated all the Resident Evil games before this because I want to feel like I'm controlling a human being not a tank uh, <laughs> this was a huge step forward yeah it was a, it was a good uh, change of pace to try to bring in new fans which I think it succeeded with and this new style of gameplay that is different from the original but it still kind of embodies what those games are. They're, it's still it's still very scary. I just remember these parts where you're in like a small farming area, and there there's these you know they weren't quite zombies in this one. They were a little faster. What were they called? They were called the uh, oh God. I should know this. I know about Resident Evil stuff. They're I don't know. They're, Ouroboros. They're, they're Ouroboros. They're just coming from all directions, and you're climbing up barns, and you're pushing the ladder down, and you're shooting them, and you have the sweet laser sight. And there's just always this mounting tension. I mean, the game moves faster, but so do the enemies now. So that makes it really intense. Uh, uh, my brother was so into this game. Uh, not only did he put Resident Evil 4 stickers all over our GameCube, but we had the chainsaw controller that you could buy yes. for this game. The chainsaw controller was shaped like a chainsaw. It is the absolute worst controller I have ever picked up for a game. You can't hold it in any reasonable way. It is awful. But you look, maybe you look cool when you're playing. 
I, I feel like Leon, uh, the character he plays, doesn't even get a chainsaw in the game. He just gets killed by chainsaws. Yeah, there's enemies with chainsaws. They're pretty scary, like bags on their heads. Uh, the new the new enemies, yeah, they're not quite uh, zombies, but they're really scary. Maybe scarier because now they can use weapons. And sometimes I call them squiggly wigglies pop out of their head because they're <laughs> – they're infected with these weird parasites that are jump almost like jump out of their bodies sometimes. I can't even explain them. Almost insect-like, just these weird, gross parasites. And it's always terrifying when a squiggly wiggly jumps out. And that's something that they've kept in uh, some of the games since then is the squiggly wigglies. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Ouroboros, whatever. I don't know. The, the uh, Plagas. Is that it? Plagas. Las Plagas. Yes. This game takes place in... Spain, I believe. You're sent over to go rescue the president's daughter or something dumb. These games always have awful plots. <laughs> I remember people yeah, saying isn't this. Isn't Leon like a cop? He was a cop. Now he's like he's a America's US... greatest cop. <laughs> we need America. No, he got like, he got a promotion. Or he's like he got a... promoted to president. <laughs> he got promoted. He got promoted the presidential to a... cop. Just yeah, promoted to America's greatest cop. <laughs> You need shit get to get done. They send him to another country to get shit done. <laughs> no, he probably got some sort of promotion. I'm sure he wasn't just America's greatest cop. <laughs> and then I remember this game is pretty controversial because like people are like, oh, you're just shooting Spanish people a bunch. And then yeah, they're all like simple farmers. <laughs> yeah, slaughtering them. You're just slaughtering these poor like Spanish people. Of course. That got even you know, more intense when Resident Evil Five came out. It's like you're—it's a game where you're shooting black people. So people are like, this is super racist. It's no, it's like you're in Africa killing like what seemed like innocent African villagers, and yeah. the way they got away from that being racist was they made one of the main characters black, and they also threw in a few random white people in Africa. And they're like, no, it's not racist. See, white people too. But I mean, you can't help but think back to like colonization and stuff, with like I don't know. I guess it was more like a French thing, like taking over Africa. Well, I, I, I mean, it is a horror game, at least as, in concept. So, you know, I'm kind of all right with Resident Evil 5 doing that because at least, I mean, if you have an enemy that's both scary and threatening and also you don't want to kill them, I mean, that's interesting. And if you're, if you're doing things that are repulsive to you, I mean, that's... That that's succeeding on at, at least at the horror part of the gameplay. Yeah, uh, another uh, uh, innovative thing about Resident Evil Four was uh, some of the Resident Evil games that always bugged the hell out of me: uh, the storage systems in these games and how you got stuff. You know, there's some in some of their storage chests. I remember in Resident Evil Zero, you just once you had a you know like your inventory is full, you just put stuff on the ground and then you could come back later. But you'd have to like run all across the game because like oh I went to go put that you know, herb on the ground <laughs> like an hour ago. So I have to go back and find it. This game had, it was cool. They had the, what are you buying guy to like improve your stuff. And I feel like they'd finally found an inventory system and a way to get new items that really worked. I mean, it's super like stupid. Like that. There's this weird hermit guy <laughs> with a, you just like, I want to say opens his jacket. I don't he know. If that's what he, and he opens his jacket and he's got like sweet guns. He sells them to you for some reason. And, you know, if you're like the one guy fighting all these zombies, why is he still trying to turn a profit? Why can't he just hook you up? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I also feel like that this game, 
uh, it was it, it, the one bad thing about it was that the stories were getting worse and worse. And this one had like an evil cult in it. I remember one of the bad guys had this uh, disorder that made him look like a little kid, and he wore a little Napoleon type outfit or something. And he's just a very laughable villain. That didn't scare the shit out of you? No, he didn't scare the shit out of me. That guy was fucking stupid. And there's a lot of stuff about this game that is stupid. Though then again, these games were always pretty uh, silly. So it's really a minor thing because there's so much... Uh, there's so much stuff in this game that's really cool and interesting and fresh. Well, another thing I don't like that has become a weird trend now in the rest of Evil games is giant trolls. Like, I get zombies, I get this plague thing, but why is there trolls? They look like the trolls from Lord of the Rings, like, exactly. Uh, wh- where did this... I can't remember. Maybe they had an explanation. Why am I fighting a troll? It just... It was... Ugh. And this one also had that... This was actually kind of awesome. There's that like boss battle. There's like the giant fish. Do you remember that? Yeah, that that's one of the best parts of the whole game. That is you're out on that lake. You're just out on this lake in this boat, and there's this huge monster fish, <laughs> like like Frankenfish, which is a sweet straight to DVD movie. <laughs> this huge Frankenfish, and it's so freaking scary. That's that's up there for one of the all time I think greatest Resident Evil boss battles. It is so scary. It is awesome. And this was a long one too. It was like two discs, so that was cool. I don't know. Maybe could GameCube discs not hold a lot because they're all tiny. I feel like their capacity was pretty close to that of a of a DVD. Why didn't Why did they make them all tiny? Just harder to pirate. Aesthetic. Oh, there you go. There's no one pirates little teeny CDs. Although it was dumb because then GameCube wasn't a DVD player unless you got that weird. Whatever it was called that only came out in Japan version of the GameCube. And everybody got that. (laughs) Yeah, it only cost like (laughs) (laughs) $7,000. So you could play DVDs on your GameCube. (laughs) Oh, this is a very wise purchase. (laughs) What are you selling? Uh, Only Resident Evil game I like Resident Evil 4. Not even 5? Five, I played half of it single player and I hated it. And then I played all of it with Colin, right? And then I played the the back half with Colin and I liked that. But any game is going to be fun with friends, you know? (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. No, not not necessarily. I I think it was good. It's too bad, though. I I was really excited for Resident Evil 6 and I think it got really bad reviews, didn't it? Just terrible. Yeah, so just like all over the place and totally ridiculous. Just a mess of a game, apparently. So hopefully this series can find a way to bounce back again. I thought they could uh, mix stuff up a little with 6 because I think they went back to zombies, traditional zombies, but obviously that's not working for them. Uh, yeah, a, a franchise that's not hanging in there too well now. Um, what about the still making yeah. plenty of money. Okay. Unlike Soul Calibur, because well, I don't know. It's probably doing they, Soul, they still make those Soul Calibur five or six Ooh. came out this year, and that happened in history of this. Year. I didn't. Even, I didn't even know five. I guess yeah. Uh, well, the thing is, once they got to Soul Calibur three, they started like really pushing like character creator and 
you know, at this point their story is so dumb, who cares? And 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 really fighting games that aren't made by Capcom, I feel like just don't get the same amount of coverage anymore. Mm-hmm. But Soul Calibur 2, that was huge because of their brilliant marketing strategy of including one exclusive character uh, on each of the home consoles it was released on. You had Spawn on the Xbox version for... I, I don't know, because he's black and green a little bit? I thought it was Darth Vader. Was he on another one? Darth Vader is in Soul Calibur 4. Okay. Uh, the PlayStation 2 version of Soul Calibur 2 had Hihachi uh, from the Tekken games because the Tekken games come out on PlayStation. Yeah. Well, I, would, I, would, I would hope for Crash Bandicoot, but whatever. Uh, That'd be weird. <laughs> it's cartoon. The size there, guys. He has a spin move, and then he puts on his tiki mask. <laughs> he just jumps on their heads. I'm trying to get Rayman in there. I'm all about that move for Crash Bandicoot belly flops. Can you yeah. tell him? <laughs> I feel like the way we just described him, he was just dominate everyone. Yeah, and then like as as Sean was saying, and then uh, for GameCube you had Link, which was probably the coolest of the three. I and think at least so. the one who fit in the best. Yeah, I think just graphically and the fact that he actually has like a weapon, you know, a sword and shield, because that's basically the thing about the Soul Calibur games is they're basically Tekken but with weapons. Yep. And I always. I, I always loved the look of these games. I always loved how they, they yeah, were in this weird kind of like past time that sort of never existed, this really romantic era. And you have all these people like in like Greek like outfits. And I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like this mesh of all these different like past cultures. It's like, it's like I feel like it's historical, but it's totally not. It's totally ridiculous. I and this set the past. It is said in the past. That's something we can agree on. <laughs> and I feel like this one integrated even more little, I want to say fantasy-type elements because there's weird, almost slightly supernatural characters. Uh, there's the, the dude with the big sword, uh, Siegfried. In this game, he was Nightmare. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he's this... His sword has an eye. Everyone, I think, always kind of called out that character as like the cheap character because his weapon is like as big as most of the other characters. <laughs> And then you had other weird supernatural characters like uh, like Astaroth and stuff. Uh, and that, I think that's one of the great things about this uh, game is just the whole so many different characters that were all pretty different. There wasn't a lot of characters that I'd say like, oh, this character is just way too much like that character. They all had pretty differing styles. I think everybody had their favorite maybe. I liked uh, – I actually just like Mitsurugi, which is a pretty boring choice. But The cool samurai guy. He got the he got the job done. I think yeah. I liked uh, Raphael, the French. Ah, guy. the fencing guy. Yeah, that was neat. Oh, God, I'm just, I, I wish I could remember more of the characters. There's there's a lot of them though, and they're cool. And this game just looks so beautiful. It was really pretty. It, uh, I yeah, I don't I don't know what to say, <laughs> say about it. It was pretty. It was pretty good. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of the Namco fighting games because I find them way more accessible. Uh, than the Capcom fighting games, uh, Street Fighter games. I just, I just get whooped, even, even against the computer on, you know, the real difficulties. I just get whooped. 
uh, you know, the Versus series is different. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, Street Fighter fans or whoever can come after me right now, but I feel like those those, me, uh, those games are more style than substance. I feel like this game, you know, people aren't shooting fireballs and stuff all over the place. They're just, it's just the great mechanics of how they fight, which makes it good. You know, it's like, I remember when I was playing, the, what was the last um, Marvel vs. Capcom? Was that 3, the most recent one? The one that came out on modern consoles? Uh, yeah, something like that. I remember I was playing a recent one just a few years ago in a store, and I was just mashing buttons, and there's all this shit all over the screen. It's like you have four different characters helping you, and there's just like fireballs and all sorts of shit. And there's Jill Valentine, and there's like zombies running across the screen, and Okami's there, and everyone's shooting lasers. It's like this is kind of straying from like what a fighting game. I mean, it was cool. It's cool for what it was, but I feel like a fighting game should be about the fighting, you know? Yeah, why, well, like, yeah, yeah, the versus games are different. Uh, uh, I, I don't think there's anything as technically complex as, as like the Street Fighter games. They're, those are crazy. There's so much going on there, and I just lose so bad. Uh, but Soul Calibur I can get into because it's kind of, you know, it's like it's like a basic rock, paper, scissors fighting game. Uh, you know, it's high, medium, low. You know, one beats the other, and you just got to choose the right way to do it. And weapons are cool. You know, it doesn't really make sense because you just hit each other with swords a lot until one person falls off the stage or, you know, falls down. It's not the most realistic fighting, I guess. Uh, like, uh, it was like cool PlayStation fighting game. It was like you kill someone with one hit with a sword. You know what I'm talking about? I need a, I need a little more. It was like really hard to control. It shows like... I feel like they're mostly just like samurai characters, and you were fighting with swords. Sounds familiar. Spears and stuff. Oh god, oh. it's neat. But uh, Soul Calibur, I played. It a wasn't Bushido Blade, was it? Was it? Sure, why not? Let's I, say it's Bushido Blade. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and this game had a lot of hot chicks too. Yeah. Uh, like almost to a point where it seems like, come on, women are. This is kind of like sexist, you know. They're practically all naked stuff. Well, uh, the the thing you follow with the Soul Calibur games is is the character Ivy, whose costumes become less and less tasteful as the games go on. <laughs> not exactly tasteful in the first one. Uh, well, I thought was this the, was she in the one before this? I thought so. Yeah. There's also Taki. She had very large assets. Oh, well, they all do. <laughs> yeah. But if you want to get hot and steamy, Soul Calibur 2. <laughs> That's the best I could come up with, apparently. Um, thought, I but, thought I had a slogan, but it never came. So I put this on the list because the GameCube version, I believe, is the definitive version. Uh, but it did. It was in arcades. And it was on the other consoles, too. So if you guys... Want to bump it for that reason? I understand. It's pretty sweet. We'll keep it around for now. Okay. Uh, how about Rogue Leader, the second Rogue Squadron game? Was this the, uh, the, the one of the launch titles? Yeah. Like the first the first run was the N sixty four one, right? Correct. Because there was another sequel to this one on GameCube as well. That was called Rebel Strike. Yeah, I had that and it broke. It was like, it broke. I had a bunch of GameCube games that were just crap out of it. My GameCube was just driven insane by <laughs> Eternal Darkness. 
But no, man, Rogue Squad. I remember just, I remember like talking like during PE with like AJ and some other people about like the levels in this game. It's like, I can't beat this one level. And this guy's like telling me, if you do this one part, this one part. And we all knew the game so well that we knew exactly what everyone was talking about. Is, I mean, to me, this is just the first time I played a Star Wars game that looked really cool and just felt like Star Wars, you know? You get in your X Wing and then you go down the classic, you know, Death Star pathway. Trench run. And trench run. There you go. I mean, yeah. How awesome is that? Then Han comes in at the end and blows up Darth Vader. And, you know, Obi-Wan's like, use the force. Use the You're like, force. you know what? This isn't the movie. I'm going to leave it on, you know? <laughs> I don't want to fuck this up. I'm not going to listen to this ghost. I'm just, I'm going to stay focused and I'm going to get the job done. I'd always keep the screen up. I'd never. No, I'm I, I have my targeting computer on the whole game. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty hard are when you're and you're in space. Yeah, hard to see that shit. <laughs> yeah, they should have just called it Star Wars Rogue Squadron Two Target Efficiency <laughs> GX. <laughs> I think one of my favorite levels in this game though was also the uh, Hoth because you got in the snow speeder and you get you got to uh, knock down the AT-ATs with your rope around their legs and that was there's something so satisfying about going around and around and then they just come crashing down and then you and then you shoot them with your lasers and they blow up so a lot of sweet wedge action in that game this is something that has always bothered me about this game and i've never understood it they made the choice that after you finish winding around the the walker like the rope falls off and then it falls over and it looks that way every time. I know what you Why mean. Why did they do this? I always figured the rope was just dropping down around the ankles. And, you know, and somehow it, like, tightens down there. <laughs> it's a minor complaint. It's like one graphical thing in there. <laughs> so off the list? Off the list. Because of the part where it looks like the rope falls down. Uh, I, I don't. I didn't beat this game though. I, I recall it gets pr- pretty difficult later on. There's just so many freaking lasers all over the screen, and you have to use your targeting system so often. Mm-hmm. But it just, it just. I think it really captured the feel of Star Wars, and I, I think I've gone on record on this uh, podcast saying I don't like ship games, but I like this one. And I mean, I, I probably a big part of that is because of Star Wars, but. I don't know. There's there's something else about it that I like. Maybe it is just that it's Star Wars, but it, it's really done well. It was, and I enjoyed the sequel before it crapped out on me. Yeah, Rebel that Strike one. was was cool because it had all of Rogue Leader as its multiplayer mode. Mm-hmm. The first game was was just single player, and so Rebel Strike was like, well, let's throw that game in, but we make it two player. Oh, it's cool because in these games you can spin, and that's a good trick. <sighs> Why, John? <laughs> Dude, they got to do it. Anakin did it. They take a page out of the book of Anakin. It's like, I remember from my training when they told us that spinning is a good trick because Anakin did it, and then he blew up that space station. Yeah, I, I remember. I, I'd always do it in the trench run, and then it wouldn't work out so well because it's not a good trick in a small space. Yeah, sweet. I don't want to talk about this anymore because of what you did. <laughs> Let's talk about Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah, let's clean this shit up. 
Super Mario Sunshine. This is basically community service of the game. <laughs> yeah. So how, Sean's how least favorite game Luigi of all time. got the vacuum, and Mario got this shit. Well, there's uh, Delfino, which is this island got all covered in goop from this thing that looked like Mario. It was like Shadow Mario, and then Mario gets blamed. He like goes to court, and he has to clean the shit up. This is his community service. He has to clean up all the goop. And I don't know why a game about cleaning up just shit. I mean, it was mud mostly, not shit. It's goop. It's goop and and crud and whatever. Why it's so fun, but there's something so satisfying about the big squirt gun on his backpack, especially when you turn it into jetpack mode. Oh, man. And just the water jets are just like cleaning up all the shit. You like cleaning up the shit in this game, Colin? I love cleaning up the shit in this game. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's another just really colorful Nintendo game where the, there's just something really pleasing about the way they capture this sort of tropical atmosphere. I remember playing it at Colin's, like from the beginning, trying to get as far as I could in, in an afternoon. And, uh, How far did you get? Not far at all. <laughs> but I remember being. Uh, um, like and Mario's on... device is called Flood Flash Liquidizer Ultra Dousing Device. Yeah, I remember so everyone... feeling very high tech. Did, didn't it talk? Yeah. Yeah, it talked to you. It was like super <laughs> annoying too. <laughs> I felt like I was on vacation, and like then they were making me do chores, but it was okay because the weather was so nice and. <laughs> it was water. Yeah, that, I mean, I guess you could say that's one of the downsides of this game is the conflict is so unbelievably lame. There's some mysterious figure who's making, he's like polluting. And he's hurting Mario's rep. And he's hurting Mario's reputation. You got to clean that shit up. Uh, but no, it's it's really fun. I I, I can remember where I failed though, because Paul always has to remind me like, oh, remember you couldn't beat that game because it's one part. There's these uh, gel- there's these flying jellyfish later in the game that leave like this electric. It's not just goop; it's electric goop. So not only do you get you know hurt, but you also get electrocuted when you step in it. And there's they're just everywhere. And there's this boss, and you you shoot the boss, the squirt gun, and he breaks up into smaller and smaller. Wait, did I say they were jellyfish? Yeah. They're man yeah. rays. Is what I meant to say. Man <laughs> rays. I think they're man like manta stingray. The thing that killed Steve Irwin. The sting. The, the stingrays, and they're flying around. And that was really hard, and I hated electric goop. Um, I, I can see how this game may have been disappointed, uh, disappointing for some people because you know after uh, like you know Mario sixty four, you know like oh I can't wait for the GameCube version of that, and then you get a game that isn't really that. I mean it's Mario, but it's pretty much it's pretty different. It's, you know it's all about cleaning shit up. So I, I can see why people were disappointed in that. Uh, Community service, the game. That's not fun to me. That's not a fun idea. Yeah, I just feel like I wasn't making that much progress playing this game. Uh, like, I'd clean up a mess and then leave and come back, and it's all goopy again. And I, I, I missed the... I mean, the game has had a sort of open-world design to it, and that I, I wasn't a fan of that. I prefer straight-up just going to levels, Mario. And, and I feel like the controls were okay but the camera was really unwieldy in this game i felt like 
a lot of times I was, I was getting screwed over just by the camera moving weird ways and I, I couldn't tell what I was doing. Especially when you're using the water jetpack, I seem to recall you'd land in weird spaces and there'd be a weird angle. Yeah, that was that was a little off. And I also remember, wasn't there these like cutaway type stages where you didn't have the uh, the jet the the jet thing, the flood, and they yeah. were actually like more, maybe even more fun. They were way more. Those fun. were just like pure platforming yeah. type stuff. And like, was really good. I can see why people was like, well, why isn't the whole game just like that? You know, like Super Mario sixty four. Or Mario um, Galaxy later. Yeah. But I think for what it was, it's just a pretty clever idea. It was it was an interesting uh, approach. And I think it worked out uh, for the most part. Community service game. Check, check it out, man. doesn't feel like community service. Sorry. You like cleaning shit up. This is your game. Sorry, my game is Super Monkey Ball 2. Why Super Monkey Ball 2? Because that's the one I own. I feel like it just took Super Monkey Ball 1 and added more modes to it. And I'm not done any research, but I assume that's true. Uh, and, and this is a Sega game that is just like as simple as it gets. It kind of you can kind of think of it as a precursor to like the the Wii's approach of just making like super accessible. Uh, games because I'm pretty sure in this you basically just use the analog stick and maybe the A button to jump. Uh, but it's you know it's a really simple concept. You play as a monkey who's trapped in a giant plastic ball and uh, dropped into all these puzzles uh, where you have to uh, get to the other side and collect bananas on the way. Uh, but there's lots of you know precarious drops and, and, and difficult to navigate sections. Uh, it's kind of like that that game you would play as a kid, or at least I would play it. I don't know, uh, you know, like the little box with, and there's like you know it's like a maze, and you gotta get the little ball in Fuck the box from one into the other. Fuck that. <laughs> okay. I hate that shit. I feel like Nancy had one like that. That was like the hardest thing I'd ever played. <laughs> yeah, the hardest thing I'd ever even tried to wrap my mind around. <laughs> like it was literally impossible. Yeah, my aunt like gave that to me for Christmas, and I just spent all of Christmas like so pissed I couldn't like do it. I feel like I just spent hours in your room trying to do it. <laughs> I couldn't even get halfway through it. Like, it's, like, for geniuses, I guess. I don't, like, geniuses why would complete, you give that to someone? With complete control of their, their fingers. All right, I wasn't aware that this game was for geniuses uh, later on. I'm not on. talking about this game. I'm talking about, what are this, we talking about? I'm talking about this stupid ball maze thing that Nancy's on bottom. Oh. Uh, that was this, for geniuses. This was kind of for babies. No, no, no. Super Mario World 2 is fun for all ages because it has a multiplayer mode and you all play through the same levels and it's so fun and so funny when someone gets fed up with a puzzle and just starts trying to rush through it and they like waste their whole turn, die in a really embarrassing way. Or, you know, someone's like really going super slow through the whole maze and then at the last little, you know, bridge or whatever they fall off and it's like, oh, you fucked up. That is, it is some top-notch entertainment. Uh, yeah. 
I just wonder how they came up with this idea. Like, is it like based on a true story? Or... <laughs> was there a guy who had foot buggies involved? I've been doing this for 40 years. Put them in <laughs> mazes. And then Nintendo took it, and then he had to sue them. It didn't work out. That's the story I want to hear. If it existed. I feel like there's hella product placement for, like, Dan and... <laughs> <laughs> like the yo- like Dan like the yogurt? I don't Dan know, like like some banana. I feel like it's more like dull bananas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't buy monkey or I don't buy bananas very often. I don't buy monkey, monkey food. food. <laughs> <laughs> so was this a ploy from Dole? Uh, you just brainwash people to buy bananas? <laughs> Well, it didn't work. At least not on me. And buy monkeys and put them in balls. They they keep making these games. Leagues. So yeah, I mean they're pretty fun. I like the ones on Wii, maybe even more. I like how they utilize the controller, but these ones are very cool. I don't remember Super Monkey Ball One. I don't know. I don't remember either. Of them. They blur together, but they're cool because they're monkeys and balls. And I like bananas, so. I'm- I'm all for that. It reminds me of Dole. Dole. Bob Dole. Who should be a character in Super Soldier Brothers Melee. <laughs> Am I right? You could not be more right. His paralyzed like arm with the pen in it. But he like throws it at you. He breathes fire. Okay, okay. Super Monkey Ball. Oh, man. Good game. Super Smash Brothers. Pretty awesome. Pretty cutting edge. This was just, God, where they took the uh, the first one and then just upped it even more in this one. It was so amazing. Oh, just so many more characters, so many more levels, more items. Trophies was a neat addition. I remember when I rented Pikmin that and had it on my memory card that gave me the Pikmin trophy. So I was really into collecting the trophies. And I loved some of the uh, stuff you had to go through to get some of the characters. Do you remember some of the weird stuff that you had to do, like, to get Mewtwo? I thought Mewtwo was just an hour one. Like, you have to have played for, like, 20 hours. Well, no. Mewtwo was one where you... I think... No, it was either a certain amount of matches on a certain mode or leave your console on for, like, eight hours in a certain mode. And I remember doing that and then going to school... And then coming home and then losing and then having to do it again. <laughs> well, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I won't waste my whole entire day. Yeah, this is, God, and I was, I, this is, I remember playing this game sick a lot because I was sick a lot. And I was playing it so much during that period and like, God, whenever that was, eighth grade or something. Except that sucked because I remember my dad would come back and be like, like a thousand Mr. Enzyme assignments. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to fail all of these anyways, so. <laughs> Might as well play some more Smash Brothers. Might as well play some more Smash Brothers. Yeah, I could write my paper on that. <laughs> um, By hand. But no, and I, I love all the creative ways to get characters. Like to get Luigi, I, I, something about you had to beat this one level as Mario with two seconds on the clock, and then you'd fight him. 
and all the characters were just they're, they're, they're all they're all fun with all their, the the variety and their moves and everything. Just the look of all of it, man. So cool, so cool. Great group game. Great group game. Party. And this is a game that I feel like. Now we're probably just about to talk to them about the same thing, right? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> well, this was a game that like we kept playing even like after we cared about anything having to do with GameCube. Like maybe in late high school, maybe even early college, like right before uh, Smash Brothers Brawl was about to come out. Like me and John and Sean started playing it again like... <laughs> A ridiculous amount, which I guess just shows how addictive this game was. Even years later, we could get hooked on it again. I feel like, yeah, Con, you and me especially, we'd even play it without Sean at my house sometimes. I feel like when the new one came out, we just weren't into it because it, like, it's not the same. You know? We were just so attached to Melee at that point. It was really it was hard to so make the hard. transition to a new game. It took me like a whole year to get into I mean, now I probably like Brawl more, but it took so long to just wean myself off of this amazing game to another amazing game because it's like, it's different. It's not the same. Which sucks because that's like, that's like when I got into it and then everyone yeah. was not about it anymore. Um, it, it took me, yeah, it took me like a year to get into the next one. You know, it's tough. It was tough to break the uh, the spell of Super Smash Bros. Melee. And yeah, I just really felt like this is a game that really worked for me. I was I was fairly I was good enough at it. You know, I got I, I unlocked all the characters and I and I did it, you know, right, you know. I was in I guess there's no way to do it wrong. It's not like this game has like cheat codes or anything. I did I just had this sense of accomplishment with this game. And then I could enjoy it with my friends, you know. There was a lot of responsibility if you were one of the people that owned a copy of, of Melee because you had to play through the game enough to have all the characters unlocked. Or else everyone would be pissed. Just this year, I was over at this guy's house and he didn't have all the characters. And I was like, God, this is what am I even doing? <laughs> I should just burn this copy because he's disgraced it. Burn his GameCube. You should have just taken it from You don't deserve it. <laughs> I'm taking this. You're not you're not fit to play Smash Brothers. You're a disgrace. Just throw it in the microwave. Yeah. I mean uh, that would have ended a friendship. Yeah. Is it was you it really it saved a GameCube? Was it even a friendship to begin with? <laughs> sure. It's a friendship. It's a, it's a friendship pending. Depending on if he ever unlocks the rest of the characters. <laughs> I, I, you know what I hate is people that play this game with, or, or played this game without items. Oh, still you hate people that play Smash Bros. without items. You know, it's not the way I play, but, you know, whatever. They're still out there enjoying the game. Incorrectly. If, if you can only enjoy this game playing on only Final Destination with no items and, like, only like two stock or something. And One stock. Fox only, probably, because he's the only balanced character. <laughs> <laughs> the only tier one character. And, you know, that's fine. You know, it's a game. Enjoy it. Correctly. Okay. So many beautiful like moments. 
uh, Beautiful Joe is a good one to talk about now. Yeah. So Not Capcom, beautiful. beautiful. Sorry. Capcom made a huge bet uh, on Nintendo with the with the GameCube. Uh, they they said they're going to make a bunch of GameCube exclusive games, uh, including Resident Evil Four, which eventually got ported everywhere, and and uh, Beautiful Joe, and uh, what else? K- uh, Killer Seven, I think was one of those games in that deal. If anyone remembers that weirdness, yeah, I do. Uh, but Beautiful Joe, I enjoyed because I bought it, unlike Killer7. So I could not enjoy that. I always loved how Beautiful Joe looked like, another game that utilizes sweet cell shading. But all I ever heard about this game is how hard it was. Is that true? It's pretty fucking hard. Uh, so it's it's set in this weird movie. Like your character jumps into the movie and becomes the superhero, Beautiful Joe. And uh, because it's a movie, he can, like, slow down and speed up time. And you had to, like, really carefully use that mechanic to get through obstacles and to help you beat people up. And it was really a weird game and and goofy and and fun. And also, for me at least, it got really difficult really fast. Uh, I have not beaten Beautiful Joe yet. Still hoping someday. (laughs) Yeah. And you said this was Capcom? Yeah. Does that mean he could never be in a Smash Brothers game? Um, well, there aren't any Capcom characters in there yet. He just seems so perfect. Like he's just like his how he looks. It would I think it would look really cool. But I guess he's already he's already in one of like the Marvel's Capcom, isn't he? So Yeah. Like what's the point? There we already Adam. Yeah, you know, who's not in those games, or at least the latest one, is Mega Man. Yeah. That's Would you important. say in the, you know, great canon of, or timeline of video game characters that Beautiful Joe is a memorable character? Probably not. He kind of just looks like Captain Falcon. I mean, who remembers his catchphrase, Kenshin a go-go, baby? I don't even know what that means. No one does. <laughs> I figure it's a Japanese thing, Sean. What is that? Does that refer to something? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. No, okay. No one knows. Oh, that's why he sucks. No one knows, but he does. Uh, I don't know if it's going to make the list, though, because I don't think anyone else played it. Yeah, I figured as much. So uh, that probably gets a cut It's right a cool now. game. It's a memorable game. I remember playing it uh, Christmas time. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got it for Christmas. That's always fun, because you just got free time to play games. All right. And I have a late addition to the list. I think this was what it was called. WrestleMania X8. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, why did you like this game? Um, We were all about WrestleMania for some reason. I mean, what was so fun about it? I I guess maybe it was just because I'd played past wrestling games. And this is the first one I'd played where, like, I knew how to pin people. I knew how to do everything that I needed to do, you know? Yeah. It was, it was, it was easy to understand. And it had pretty much the greatest characters of all time. <laughs> we all had our characters. I mean, there's Scotty Too Hottie, Albert, <laughs> Kishi. 
Uh, next guy, I remember you're quite partial to, to Tajiri, this Japanese guy who really sucked. There was Christian. Christian. <laughs> All the characters had these sweet entrance videos that you got to watch. <laughs> it really, to me, it really, um, it had everything I wanted in a wrestling game, which are a couple of things. I want to be able to leave the ring without penalty, like without a <laughs> clock ticking down. That's a that was a that's a big thing for me in wrestling games. I want to leave the ring. I don't want to be penalized. Uh, it had sweet weapons. It had the awesome feature of you could reach into the crowd and and get a weapon. <laughs> They'd hand you a chair, just like the crowd just brings chairs. A chair you. or. A golf baseball club, bat. baseball bat, two by four. Two by four. It was awesome. God, that game was so awesome. <laughs> the best one I think was the one where there's the belt hanging from. Oh the yeah, sailor. tables, ladders, chairs. That was the one. Because we just keep kicking the ladder down when people are on it. They just fall <laughs> off the ladder and smash into the floor. <laughs> it was so hard to win. <laughs> so, yeah, everyone just keep, like keep, an hour. keep getting knocked off the ladder over and, and over. You, and you get so close. You can only do it if like more than one character is unconscious, and then for some reason someone else is like outside the ring. <laughs> because they're doing something else because they're so sick of playing. Because it's been like an hour and a half. <laughs> this game's a real endurance test. <laughs> and I remember we went into Hogan's Heroes, our favorite video game store. <laughs> As we call it, Hogan's, I don't know. Um, and I, we had it for $8, and me and Nancy were like, come on, let's all go in on it. And nobody else wanted to. I don't know why you and me didn't just go on it. We just $4 each. Uh, that would have been so bad. <laughs> Maybe it'll, it'll never live up to the memories. I think so. I think <laughs> that's one of those things. This game, like, probably, it's not even like that good compared <laughs> to, like, it's pretty, pretty much the most generic wrestling game there is. I'm sure there's, like, ones that are thousands better. I don't know. About I'm not sure I've ever played this. You, you know, you did. You did. I remember you were like not about it. You're like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> I don't know that Sean was that hot, you know, against it. Like, I just think he was pissed. just really unimpressed. <laughs> then you just saw the fact that it wasn't that great of a game. <laughs> but we just kind of bonded over it for some reason with, without Sean. Why would you have a wrestling game? It was my uh, sister's boyfriend, now now her husband, Ken, who's his game, and he left it over her house one day. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll play this. I'm like, wait, this is actually kind of fun. And you guys all play it. I think at first we just loved all the ridiculous characters. And their intros. Mr. Perfect and everything. And, <laughs> and then soon enough, we're like, you yeah, know, this is a good uh, party game. Man. It was a good game to play when we weren't at your house, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing, because it's something you didn't have that we could all enjoy it was without a, you. It was like, a John like, exclusive. Was this, was this one of the games that we played? During we just summer? bonded over having a game that we didn't have to play with Sean. Was this one of the, was this one of the games we played during the summer where, of Tropical Sprite Remix? I'm pretty sure. It's like that one summer where Spike TV was coming back. <laughs> there was Spike TV now. And we were all stoked for some reason. <laughs> Spike Remix was in, and we were playing this game. And Sean was like on a camping trip that seemed to last like two months. Two months, yeah. <laughs> the endless vacation. He's so gone for like three weeks. No, we had to find ways to like, what were we going to do without Sean? So we had this game, and we just watch a lot of Spike TV. <laughs> Stripperella, Gary the Rat. Perverted. New, yeah. New Red Zippy for their really gay lovers. 
They like God. they like explored the boundaries, you know. That is like one of my favorite like summers. No offense, John. It was good when you came back, of course. You know, you, it was just that was a really weird time. It was funny. Oh, and I can't I forget Doritos. Yeah, spicier nacho Doritos. It's all that spicier nacho Doritos and Travel's Right remix, and it left you with this like weird acidic like <laughs> burning <taste>. sensation. <laughs> oh, feel the burn. Like the combination like created like acid in your stomach, in your throat. It like it like burned like whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> But God, if I could just, if I could have a Tropical Spirit remix and Doritos right now, oh my God, I would be set. <laughs> set for but, I think no. get rid of that. I feel like it was pretty good. It tasted really good. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's not the way we out. ate it. <laughs> not the way. No, we tortured yeah. our bodies. <laughs> Maybe too many that people were abusing too. it. People were, other people were doing it with the Doritos and like dying and the acid-like substance was killing them. So a little bit goes a long way. Yeah, but I'll always cherish the memory, just like I'll always cherish this game. Uh, but it's probably not that great. So, mm-hmm. well, let me look at the re- the reviews. Here's the review that they on Wikipedia. They say got average review scores. I'm sure criticized for lack of a true career mode, poorly designed character models, <laughs> stiff looking animation, and a variety of collision detection issues. <laughs> average so, though. Average. Yeah. Any wrestling game where you can actually like pin a person without just mashing on the controls forever is pretty successful in my book. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that applies to this. Game. <laughs> I think it does. I'm gonna say it does. It was just all about getting outside the ring and uh, getting weapons and audience give me a chair and then you, just you going could like crazy on Scotty too hotty. You could like That's walk all the way up the the entrance thing. Can you? Yeah, I think so. That's awesome. I still, every once in a while, go back and like look for the videos of the the entrance videos for each character because they were so memorable to me. I remember Paul also played as the Hurricane. He always played as the Hurricane. I never saw like I feel like all of us had like one secondary character. Paul only played as the Hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shall we get to list making time? Let's make let's make this list. We got twelve. Oh my god! Want to cut F zero? Yeah, I think it's pretty. I don't know. I would just get rid of F zero and I guess Super Monkey Ball. (gasps) (laughs) Crazy! I just feel like I didn't play it like that much, and it was like fine. It was kind of fun. You know what I never played at all is Luigi's Mansion. Dude, Luigi's Mansion is one of the staples of the GameCube. Uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. I definitely like it a lot more than Super Monkey Mall. You have to catch yeah. ghosts. Yeah. You know what I like less than Monkey Ball? Yeah. Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah, well, it's going to be on the list. Shot. Another I know you staple. don't like it at all, but I'm pretty about it. John's pretty about it. I'm pretty about it. Nance is pretty about it. I don't right. have have to keep. Uh, I mean, I like it, but I don't have to keep Pikmin. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because I I don't know if that's uh, one that as a group we all enjoyed as much. I don't. Well, we didn't because it's a one player game. Yeah, but I mean, it's a like, game. oh yeah, yeah, right. but I mean, I didn't. 
Did you, did you play this, Colin? I, I, I played both the Pikmins, but okay, I just so you, rented so you, them. You played them. So I don't then think I beat them. I liked them a lot. Uh, any other suggestions? I'm, you know. Well, the Soul Calibur. Yeah. Probably maybe the lower end. It's pretty good, but we got to cut something. And I feel like, you know, it's not technically an exclusive like all the others are. Okay, we'll use that. We'll use that argument to take it off. It's our honorary 11. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so monkey balls number 10? I'd probably, if, like, if you gave me a choice which one of these one I, I wanted to play more, I'd probably want to play monkey ball more than Rogue Squadron. But that's just me. Mm. I feel like Rogue Squadron gets pretty frustrating in the last half. I think that's true. It's pretty cool Star Wars stuff. It's Uh, tough. I know that's true. Yeah, this is... This is gonna be tough. To quote Frank Caliendo as Al Pacino. Uh, How about... We put... Rogue Leader at 10. Unless, Colin, unless there's something you really want to put lower. I like it better than... I already said I like it better than Super Monkey Ball. Probably like I, it better than Pikmin. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think those three are all on... are all closer to the lower end right now. It's just w- what order we put them in. I'm well, pretty agreeable with any... It sounds like I like Monkey Ball more than everyone else did. So maybe put that at 10. Okay. I want to like it more, but I didn't have it. And then Pikmin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Put <laughs> nine. I like your argument. Yeah. A... <laughs> and then uh, the, the, the Rogue Leader at eight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, should we do Super Mario Sunshine next? Sure. Or Luigi's Mansion? I like... What do you like better? I think... I like Luigi's Mansion just because it was more innovative, I feel like. It was completely new to me, this concept of catching ghosts. While Super Mario Sunshine was still just like a... To me, like a slightly tweaked Mario game. I feel like Luigi didn't feel like any other previous Mario game. I don't know. It's, they're pretty similar. I suppose. I don't know. But I mean, Sunshine just felt a little deeper to me. Just because I was able to beat Mansion almost in a week. And Sunshine took me a while. I feel like there was a lot to that game. I'm but just referring to you guys. Cause... I, I, want, I like Mansion better, actually. So. <sighs> I mean, they could go either way. I'm happy putting Mansion above Sunshine since I can just give Mansion the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Sunshine, I know, to me, it's just an okay game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. I'll just, I'll just work with that. My next pick is going to piss everyone off, so I'm not going to say it. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> 
I would probably say Double Dash. I oh, hey. Was that right. your next pick? That's what I was going to say, but I thought you guys were... And that was my next pick as well. I just feel because all these other games feel like they were pretty... I don't know, unique to their series. They they took their series in sort of radical new directions, and Mario Kart was just kind of building on the other ones to make a more complete Mario Kart game. Well, by that criteria, we would have to put Super Smash Bros. Melee next. I suppose. It's, it's but, really just more Smash Brothers. Yeah, but the thing is, we have such an attachment to that game, just play it so much. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like we have to put melee higher. Just yeah. so many hours. That's like all I care about game. now on this list. <laughs> I don't care about the 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 other three. Like what order those go in, I couldn't care less. Well, then I would put Wind Waker next. Yeah, I think so. And then I would put Resident Evil Four at three. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I like Metroid Prime better. And then I put Melee at 2, and I put Metroid Prime at 1, because it's the greatest game of all time. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But only two of us have played it. That's the dilemma, I think. Search your feelings, Colin. You know it to be true. I, I dedicated so much of my life to playing Smash Brothers. I, like... That's, pro- that's part of why I did so bad in Inside. I mean, aside from the fact that he's a bad educator, the other half is that I spent so much time playing Smash Brothers. It just took up, like, just, God, that whole year for me. God, it was such a, it was such a great time, though. I wish I had it's, an excuse. It's so integral. To- <laughs> yeah, I don't know your excuse, man. You just didn't give a shit. <laughs> did not do homework. Yeah. But Smash Brothers is one of those games I put in, like, my top 10 list of games that I feel like have just my favorite games of all time, just that have like influenced my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be Smash Brothers at one, man. I mean, it's a game we all play. This, I mean, this, these lists are always, they gotta be the group, you know, uh, how we felt as a group. And it, it I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's when you got a, a party game like this, or one that was multiplayer, I don't just think of the game, I think of the memories of us playing it. And that's really special to me. So I hold it in a really high regard. <laughs> just trying to remember <laughs> my uh, top 10 of the last decade list I did on the blog. Number mm-hmm. 10 was Melee. Number 9 was Metroid Prime. <laughs> so Resident Evil 4 was apart. all the way down at 6. What was 1? So has your opinion Fuck changed since then? Do you, do you now think that Metroid Prime's a better game than Resident Evil 4? Uh, yeah, because at the time I'm sure I was writing... I'm not going to read what I wrote, but I'm sure I'm talking about how uh, Resident Evil 4 was really influential and... I'm not that sure about Metroid Prime's influence. I mean, I, there there are other games that are really atmospheric, but I can't say that that's just because of Metroid Prime. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's good, but I didn't play it. I'm sorry. 
He's Lindsay, afraid. say something. I watched Colin play it. <laughs> I didn't let you in on the action. You're like, no, get away. No, no. <laughs> Keep away from me. You've done it. All right, that's fine. Read it off. Top 10 GameCube games. Number 10, Super Monkey Ball 2. Number 9, Pikmin 2. Number 8, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2. Rogue Leader. Uh, number 7, Super Mario Sunshine. Number 6, Luigi's Mansion. Number 5, Mario Kart Double Dash. Number 4, The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Number 3, Resident Evil 4. Or as it's written in the game, 4 Resident Evil. Number two, Metroid Prime, and number one, Super Smash Brothers Melee. Also pronounced Melee by people who don't know how to pronounce words. In the meantime, as you order all these games off of eBay or the Nintendo eShop in your brand new Wii U console, uh, why not open up that web browser and head over to MileyPlease.com or head over to iTunes and write a review or write an email to t 3 of MileyPlease.com because we've gotten some letters and they are just very, very disturbing. Stuff not fit for reading on the air at all. Uh, and, uh, well, last week you, you, you told them to send us death threats. <laughs> what did you expect? I just—I wasn't prepared. I'm never prepared for the internet. Uh, yeah, that's that's it for now. But if you just hold your ear to the ground and listen, uh, we might be back in like a week, two weeks. <gasps> Thanksgiving's week's coming. Thanksgiving, John. That means ain't, we're ain't taking that, a break. Ain't that a a load of stuffing in, in your jowls. Sure is. Uh, so, uh, salute the troops. Uh, eat some turkey. And, you know, we gave you a couple pretty long podcasts in a row. So, we, we, quit your bitching. And I'll see you next time. Oh, me, 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 oh, me